0: In the heart of the NIPTI Outdoor Recording Studios, high above 107 Columbia, where the sun is shining, the birds are tweeting, and we are looking at a beautiful spring day here in Albany. Welcome everyone to this week's edition of the NIPTI Practice Tips. Today we're going to be discussing Darden hearings. When, where, why, and how. Let's get going. When a defendant is seized by members of law enforcement and they secure a statement or physical evidence from the defendant or an identification of him or her, there is a strong likelihood the defendant will move for a suppression of this evidence. Such motions will usually result in the motion court ordering a suppression hearing to resolve the issues. If the basis for the seizure of the defendant was supplied to law enforcement by an informant The issue of the safety of that informant may at times be of such a serious nature that the people will request the court to permit the informant's identity to be kept a secret. This request to have the informant considered a confidential informant comes into direct conflict with the defendant's right to challenge the propriety of the seizure and to be confronted by his accusers. Generally, when a suppression hearing is conducted, the people are not required to call any particular witness to meet their initial burden of coming forward with credible evidence that establishes probable cause or reasonable suspicion. In most cases where an informant supplies the basis for the seizure of the defendant, the people will call the arresting officer to testify at the suppression hearing. The officer will be permitted to testify to the basis of knowledge of the informant who supplied the officer with the information that justified the seizure. This is because hearsay is permitted to be used at suppression hearings to establish any material fact. Additionally, the officer will be able to testify to the informant's identity and background, if necessary, to establish his or her reliability and credibility, which meets the two-pronged requirements of the Aguilar-Spinelli test. This is still the controlling law in New York for establishing the reliability of informants. In most cases, the informant will be either an identified civilian witness or victim, a fellow officer, or an anonymous caller on a telephone. In these cases, the defense attorney will be able to cross-examine the police witness about the informant to test the credibility of both the officer and the informant. However, in cases where the informant is a confidential informant, known as a CI, the ability to conduct this type of cross-examination can be significantly curtailed to protect the identity of the informant. The courts are thus presented with the conflicting interests of the defense being able to fully explore the issue of probable cause, and at the same time maintaining the security of the identification of the CI. The Court of Appeals has held that a defendant's, quote, interest in availing himself of the exclusionary rule may, in exceptional circumstances, be subordinated to safety precautions necessary to encourage citizens to participate in law enforcement. This comes from the case of People v. Castillo, the Court of Appeals decision where certiorari was denied by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1993. The basis for this determination is the fact that there is, quote, a fundamental difference between a trial to adjudicate guilt or innocence and a pretrial hearing to suppress evidence. The due process requirements for a hearing may be less elaborate and demanding than those at the trial proper, again quoting from Castillo. In attempting to balance the two legitimate interests, keeping the identity of such an informant a secret to protect him or her, and the defendant's right to examine the informant's relationship to the crime, basis of knowledge, past relationship to the police, criminal history, and other such matters, the court created a proceeding known as a Darden hearing named after the case where the procedure was first established. People v. Darden from 1974. This is an in-camera ex parte examination of the informant by the court without the presence of the defendant or his or her attorney. The assistant district attorney may be permitted by the court to be present. The purpose is to establish the informant's existence and credibility without revealing his or her identity. While the Darden court wrote, that it would be fair and wise for a suppression court to conduct such a proceeding when the basis for the seizure was the information supplied to law enforcement by the confidential informant, the Court of Appeals has subsequently written that this procedure is a, quote, necessity. And that was in People v. Edwards, a 2000 Court of Appeals decision. When the people claim that the confidential informant's safety must be protected by keeping his or her identity a secret, The defense has no burden of any kind to establish the need to produce the informant for the court to conduct a Darden hearing. Rather, the burden is on the people to establish why the informant should not be produced, and no such hearing is required. The people will be successful only in a limited number of circumstances. When the people establish that the confidential informant's safety must be protected by keeping his or her identity a secret, The defense has no burden of any kind to establish the need to produce the informant for the court to conduct the Darden hearing. If any of the following situations can be established by the people as to why the informant should not be produced, then no such hearing is required. The people will be successful in not having to call the informant for a Darden hearing only in a limited number of situations. Number one, If the informant had appeared before a judge the time of the issuing of a warrant and was examined by the warrant court under oath, on the record, no such hearing is required. See People v. Edwards, a court of appeals decision from the year 2000, as well as People v. Serrano, a court of appeals decision from 1999. Secondly, if the police have information independent of the informant that could establish the needed probable cause or reasonable suspicion Without the need for the information supplied by the informant, no such hearing is required. See People v. Farrell, a court of appeals decision from the year 2002. Number three: Despite their diligent efforts, the people are unable to locate the informant. See People v. Fulton, a 1983 court of appeals decision, as well as the aforementioned People v. Edwards. Number four: The informant refuses to appear because he or she fears for his or her personal safety. See People v. Carbonito a 1992 court of appeals decision, as well as People v. Edwards. In the latter two situations just mentioned, the people may establish the existence of the confidential informant through extrinsic evidence after demonstrating that the informant is legitimately unavailable without having to produce that informant. Again, see People v. Edwards, the court of appeals decision from the year 2000. They dart hearing when the informant is produced. The informant is examined by the hearing judge. As previously mentioned, the assistant district attorney may be permitted to be present, but neither the defendant nor the defendant's attorney is present. The defense attorney and the ADA must be permitted to submit, in writing, questions he or she wants the court to ask during the examination of the informant. The judge should make the inquiry with recognition of the special need for fully protecting the interests of the absent defendant. The judge must make a summary report as to the existence of the informant and with respect to the communications made by the informant to the police about which the police testify, That report should be made available to the defendant and the people, and the transcript of the testimony should be sealed to be available to the appellate courts if the occasion arises. Every precaution should be taken to protect the anonymity of the informant to the maximum degree possible. Again, that is from People v. Darden, 1974. If the judge determines the informant's in-camera ex parte testimony is credible and meets the Aguilar-Spinelli standards required of informants in New York, the suppression hearing then continues in the more traditional fashion, with all subsequent witnesses being questioned in open court, with all parties present. The people will then call any additional witnesses they will need to meet their initial burden, depending on the type of suppression hearing being conducted. The people will certainly call the officer or officers who sees the defendant, testifying to the amount of information they possessed when they seized the defendant to complete the needed evidence to establish the propriety of the seizure. The defense will, if it chooses, call witnesses as well. All the burdens of proof for the various issues will be the same as if they had no confidential informant involved in the case. Please be sure to see the new memo on Darden hearings found in the P.E. Our thanks, as always, to our crack producer and man who could inform an informant of a few things, Jonathan Marconi Crispino. To all of you out there, be well, enjoy this beautiful weather, and stay ready, my friends.